Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, we're back to Jacks. I'm tomorrow, man. We're on the board. SP Futures up 11. NASDAQ Futures up 55. Dow Futures up 32. This is after a down day yesterday. Uh, we're trying to uh, bounce. And uh, the headlines, well, you can sure tell the uh, influence of... Uh, I don't know, the, uh, I also say the, uh, the generation that, uh, impatient generation. Stock futures bounce as China COVID concerns ease. What, what could ease in a day? Just, just saying. Brennan, how are you? We don't I'm doing well this morning, Chief. How are you? All right, but there's no COVID concerns in, in uh, China anymore. How would you like to be the person who has to, uh, write the reason for, like, the market making its move every day? You know, stock futures <laughs> bounces, Matt Weber leaves the can or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> what are we really doing? So, what's up with you? How was your holiday, and what's what, what's your view of the world these days? Well, you know, today's a, a pretty good day because this is my birthday, two days really? after your birthday. So, happy birthday to you! Happy fiftieth or whatever. <laughs> Twenty nine. Yes. Um, happy birthday! Again, yeah, happy birthday! Um, Many more. We had, a, we had a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I, it was at my, my family's house, and all my kids were there, so some of my grandkids were there, so that was, was good, and then Michigan for the weekend, and uh, still enjoying life. Well, good for you, good for I was, you. I was curious about uh, how things were going to turn out with the mayoral race, since yesterday was the last filing day. I didn't see your name there, either for um, mayor or for alderman of the 14th Ward. I'm under the radar. Or for dog catcher. <laughs> yeah, or for dog catcher or something. I, uh, uh, you know, Eric's... Uh, Girlfriend Tina is running for alderman in the fifth ward. Really? Yeah, she was a deputy mayor under uh, uh, Lori. Uh, was recruited by Lori, and uh, I think she uh, thinks the thing was kind of in chaos. And she's running, but she's running for alderman in the fifth ward. That's uh, Hyde Park, right? I believe so. Uh, that I, I'm not sure about the new boundaries, but I think that's Hyde Park. For a long time, the ward was. Hyde Park, University of Chicago area. Leon Dupree. Yeah, remember he was and Bill a, Singer. He was thrown in daily daily one side for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine that somebody being an independent. Um, <laughs> well, now I guess a lot of them are. Did uh, what's his name's leaving? Right? Eddie Burke didn't, didn't didn't file. Eddie Burke did not file. Um, surprised? Well, I, I'm very surprised because I thought he would have tried to hold on to that seat as long as possible because. You know, if you're an alderman, you can't be charged or convicted, right? Is that the same theory that Trump is using since he can't uh, be indicted because he's running for president? And unfortunately for them, we know that in Illinois that's not true because we've had a string of aldermen who have been convicted even while they've been in office, the last of which has been Patrick Daly Thompson, who uh, was convicted and had to give up his seat recently. 
Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. It's it's it's, a, it's kind of an odd world. I mean, those guys are. It's such a bizarre situation. Or, I don't know how you can be. Well, you know, how many how many of the of the laws passed? I wouldn't even call them a law. Are just zoning variations that everybody everybody votes for all the other guys. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in Chicago, they've got the aldermanic privilege which means that anything within a ward has to get the approval of the alderman. And even if, uh, just by historical preference, that if you're the alderman of a ward, and I think a project going up there, I think you know, Lincoln Yards is a horrible idea for for the city of Chicago, just to pick an example at random. If I think Lincoln Yards is a horrible example uh, of, for development, and you're the alderman of the ward for Lincoln Yards projects are being built. If you say it's okay, I have to go along with you. If you say it's not okay, then I have to go along with you, and Lincoln Yards is, is out of the picture. Well, I thought the, uh, when something was that big and you start giving uh, condemnation rights and all the other stuff, I thought that had to go to the zoning committee and it became more broad. Well, it is because it is so big. It does encompass mul- multiple wards, but the same same thought was in that the, the alderman of the ward can say yes or no to any project. In fact, that's one of the things that tripped up Eddie Berg with uh, the Burger King at 39th and Pulaski. He apparently told them, either use my firm for your property tax appeals or you won't get the zoning for your, for your side in front of your store. Yeah, and uh, the, the guy from Burger King at the national level said, who the hell is this guy, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. some, some of my friends... Uh, very interesting, though, that in uh, in such short order, the Illinois has gotten uh, or has rid themselves of both Madigan and Burke, two guys who were long-term politicians, each of whom held the record for the longest tenure in the office that they held. Burke for Alderman in a in a major city, 50, 52, 53 years now, and Madigan as Speaker of the House, where he was there for thirty-eight out of forty years. Um, both of whom also coincidentally have to be happen to be property tax appeals lawyers who are very successful at the job they do. So on the one hand, when they're at their uh, their side job legislating the state of Illinois, they're passing property taxes and budget bills, and in their day job, they're appealing the the property taxes that uh, that they apply towards uh, cities and res- uh, residents in the city and the state. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really something. <laughs> I mean, it's a, uh, is, um, well, I don't know if you know, I'm going to quiz you about 49 other states, which is unfair, but <clears throat> isn't Illinois, is Illinois somewhat unique and all these things are part-time jobs? Uh, no, they're not. M- many states have them as part-time, but there are some, I, mean, I think New York and Los Angeles are two that they make them full-time jobs for their aldermen right now, or, or whatever well, they make enough money. It's not like it's uh, New York and Los Angeles. But I think many of the many of the cities around the country do think of it as a part-time job. Although, when you talk to some aldermen in Chicago, you say they will tell you the reason they're entitled to big raises is because it has become a full-time job for them because they serve their constituents and are on call twenty-four-seven. Well, that part I almost agree with them. But I the, the idea that. Uh, Full-time job means no outside income, well, or, or outside income that's scrutinized at least, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went to a uh, thing for uh, Durban, not the not the uh, 
Well, Senator Durbin, though, well, I guess he was a senator. The Republican senator was the head of the Republican Senate Committee or whatever in the state for a while. Durbin? Same name, isn't it? Durkin. Durkin. Um, Jim Durkin. And he gave me his card, and the card was his law firm. It wasn't that he was a senator. Right. Mm-hmm. He, well, he's, he's been the Republican leader. He, um, uh, from the Western suburbs, he lives in Western Springs, the LaGrange, and has led the Republicans in the, in the House for years. He just bailed. Years. He just stepped down. Yeah, he just bailed. I don't know why he, uh, well, second was, uh, our guy he's been, come on the show, Matt, uh, what was his name? Matt, uh, he, the guy from the Northwest suburbs. Yeah, what's his name? Big tall Irish guy. Matt, Matt Murphy? Matt Murphy. Mm-hmm. And he bailed a while ago. So uh, I don't know what you know what the head of the, the Republicans did down there. Well, you know, actually, those guys are. I think they reasonably crossed the aisle at the state senate and, and legislature because they they have the deal where you can was well, except till recently with Pritzker, they were one what one bill one or one subject one bill, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually passed yeah. a lot of stuff. But you know, I don't know what happened to all that. But the. Uh, mm-hmm. But the politics is... Yeah, the Republicans, uh, the Republicans in the state legislature have a pretty tough road to hoe right now because they, the Democrats have super majorities in both houses. So, you know, even uh, the, the Democrats can lose a couple of votes and still override a veto. Not that there's going to be a veto with, with Pritzker. But, uh, you know, back in the days of Browner, they had the ability to override anything that Browner uh, vetoed. Yeah, I don't... Uh you know, Benny and I had a trip over two homeless guys that somehow got in our vestibule this morning. Um, I don't... When Lori Lightfoot runs... I mean, her, I, mean I don't want to get you into, into her mind or whatever, but these people that are in charge, like the, the you know the, the police chief and all the rest of these people, what do they see that other people don't see? Don't, they don't see the same fiasco that everybody else does? I'm not, certain, I'm not saying that you and I could solve it tomorrow, but they don't even seem to think... Th- there's a there's a problem. I mean, what, what, I mean, and yet, and I don't know if it's there. It's it's clearly not of their making. And I'm not so sure they have the the ability to stop it or fix it or whatever. But I don't even think they see what other people see. Yeah, some of their comments are a little bit off base. Like uh, Lori Lightfoot, uh, I I heard a comment that she made when she filed her signatures yesterday that she part of her uh, part of her uh, last four years in office event, making Chicago one of the safest big cities in the country. And that certainly doesn't fit, fit with the narrative that we've been seeing and hearing in the news and when you hear about crime escalating in various parts of the city. Now, it is interesting. You, you could make an argument that overall c- certain numbers are down, and I think that they are down from some of the reports that I've read. However, they're spreading to other parts of the city. And, you know, for a long time, there was this feeling that if crime persisted in certain neighborhoods, that's okay because that's where crime happens. But once it starts spreading to other areas like Michigan Avenue, the stores of Michigan Avenue, or Lincoln Park or the Gold Coast, then it becomes a real problem. Uh, I don't agree with that narrative, but you know that's that's part of the perception that it's spreading to different parts of the city that used to be safe. And uh, it's things like carjackings, which have been high prominent crimes, as well as assaults and even shootings, which uh, which make her make her comments seem a little tone deaf. She she certainly doesn't have a good message on that front. Well the I mean if you're talking about the downtown area, we've gone from what? I don't know how many shootings last year to thirty five or six this year. That's a lot. 
I mean, I'm going to say several years ago, that number was like four or five. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, if all you have to do is look at the, the Hey Jackass, it's, it's, it's broad daylight now. Everything, everything is not four in the morning in Inglewood. It's three in the afternoon in, in a regular neighborhood. I mean, it's a whole, right. it's, it's a whole different brand of right. ball. I mean, and to most people, their reaction to it, I'm not trying to talk for the world, but most people's reaction to it is the people that are doing it have zero fear whatsoever of getting mm-hmm. caught or anything else happening to them. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, now, I, don't, I don't think that's a, now, a bad in, you know, in view In her defense, it. when you get away from the crime issue, um, there there has been a tremendous improvement in the city's financial as it's perceived by markets, by Moody's and Fitch and S&P. The rating agencies have started to improve the city's bond ratings, and they've done a much better job of getting the finances in order. That's not an argument that's going to win at the ballot box. You know, it, it's as important or even more important for the long-term viability of the city. However, it's not something you can uh, deal with in a 30-second or 15-second soundbite. And it, it requires some explanation and some detail and some understanding of what has happened over the last four years with uh, Lightfoot and her team to improve the city's financial condition to the extent that there were bond rating improvements, bond rating incre- uh, approvals in the last four years. Well, I don't, uh, you know, it, it's, it's it's hard for me to even, I, I, I don't know the numbers here, but it seems like one of the guys I do some business, well, I work with, uh, and he lives in South Carolina currently or somewhere over there, he's getting an 800-hour check from the, from the state in South Carolina. This is, this is all just federal money, right, that the, the, the state, and the, there's no way that the last two years that the state of Illinois or in the city of Chicago have had a positive tax versus expense thing. It has to be all federal money, isn't it? There is a lot of federal money, but there's also been a change in policies. One of the things, for example, that um, was done to balance budgets in the past was uh, a financing technique called scoop and toss, where you take uh, current bond debt and you refinance it and extend the debt out for another 15 or 20 years, which uh, just increases the amount of interest that you're paying on the debt for a longer period of time Overall, it's a lot more money, but it looks good on paper for short-term debt because you may. Lo- it's like refinancing your house, your mortgage, uh, and you know you refinance to a low when interest rates get a little bit lower. Uh, but the idea of scoop and toss is you keep extending the debt further and further and further out. So long-term, you're paying a lot more money and putting the city in a worse condition. But short-term, it looks good. Uh, Lightfoot's administration has done away with that. Now, interestingly, Rom said he was going to do away with that, too, but he didn't. They kept using some scoop and toss deals towards the end of his administration. And, yes, you are right that a good argument for this is the amount of federal money that has been put into the city the last couple of years, which has replaced some of the need for higher property taxes and some other revenues, which fell off dramatically, especially sales tax revenues during COVID. Well, I mean, this is all just going to... It all just piles on the federal budget, which is you know is astronomical at this point, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like we we just shift from one place to the other, right? The only difference. Well, I agree with that. That that the the amount that gets in from the federal government is tremendously high across the entire country. The only difference is the federal government can run a big deficit, and the other guys can't. So, I guess it right. helps people. It helps you this year. Mm-hmm. But you know, unless the everything everything all of a sudden picks up and so forth, what what is your uh, 
the uh, one of the guys last night, we stopped for a quick second, and he was saying, guys, let's see. China, all they're doing is revolting over there. That place is becoming a, a bleep hole. Uh, Iran, all they're doing is revolting there, re- and rightly so, probably. Uh, Russia's going down the kind of the rat hole. They're, they're conscripting people. They're throwing them in, the, in summer uniforms. They're in uniforms of people that are dead and sending them over to Ukraine with about five days' training. Uh, we, I mean, it's, the thing's kind of a... It's, it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel here <laughs> worldwide, but maybe maybe it's all for the good. Who knows? I mean, it uh, could be. I don't well, know you won't know if it's for the good or for the worse until uh, another couple of years, five, ten years or so, and we look back on all the things that are happening right now. And unfortunately, we are trying to adjust. We, both as a country and as individuals in this country, are trying to adapt in the middle of all these changes, not knowing how uh, what, what's going to happen down the road. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, but I don't all all these all these issues. All sort of, to me, all kind of come together economically. I mean, you can, that's the one thing nice about having, well, it's not, not nice if you actually look at it because it doesn't give you the best view of the world, but it's one thing nice about being a, you know, a half-assed economist is that all this stuff really, you know, ticks together. I mean, if, if you're not getting, uh, you know, one, one side is always talking about helping people do this and that and money spent for this and that, and yet we seem like we don't, we don't seem, we, we need to have, I mean, for this economy to work, for a capitalist system to work, which I don't even know what ours is that anymore for most industries, but um, you need to have an awful lot of people essentially working and, and making their own dough. And we're making it harder and harder for people to sort of do that. We just had people buy homes, and we jacked up the interest rate on them. I'm not saying the rate now is bad, just the other one was too low. So the prices got too high. I mean, it seems like it's really hard for individual people to just manage this on a yearly basis. It just changes... So rapidly, and then, and you, but you know, you get you get a wife and a kid, or two or three, and you need a house, and, and yet all of a sudden you're stuck now with the you know the mortgage at three percent, and you're going, how the hell do I ever move? Uh, you know, it's I mean, all this kind of pins on the other, and you've got uh, seemingly like a lot of jobs available that are good jobs, and yet people are not skilled for those jobs, or they're in a situation where they look at those jobs. 30 years ago, so they only lasted 10 years, and then all those people had to go get other stuff. So why do I want to be an iron worker? Why do I want to be a machinist? You know, it pays a lot, uh, because five years from now, all this stuff's be back in China, and I don't, I don't want any machinists. I mean, it's, it's, it makes it very difficult for people to move forward here, Brennan, it seems. Well, it does. It, we all have to be relatively flexible in our approach. And uh, but now you raise another point, that, that we have become so internationally dependent for our economy. And it's, it's not just the United States of the 30s and 40s when we were ramping up for World War II and we could put the, the car industry into production of planes and guns and trucks for, for the war in Europe that eventually was used over in Europe. But, and America, you know, was, was much more self-sufficient in the production of materials than we are now. But, you know, over the last you know, 30 years or so, 40 years, we've, uh, we've Export a lot of our uh, of our basic needs, our, our industries, to uh, places like Indonesia, China, Japan, Southeast Asia. So we become more dependent upon the world economy than we were before. I mean, think about the, the production of, of chips, but also uh, you know, how many factory jobs, industrial jobs, have gone over to Southeast Asia and China over the last thirty or forty years that used to be here. So the, those are more jobs that are gone over there. So we've a shift in the mainstream, but it also makes the United States a lot more dependent 
and uh, susceptible to changes in the world. Yeah, I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how you deal with that. I was writing, uh, you know, we were going back and forth on the emails yesterday, and this whole thing with with China. And I don't, uh, yesterday, Apple was uh, what's Apple doing today? It's actually up ninety six cents again. We got spanked yesterday. You know, part of it was a, you know, I don't, Maddie was trying to explain to me, but I don't really know. There, there's some sort of a an app where you can communicate to people in close to you, just phone to phone somehow. And how and that's how a lot of the demonstrators are communicating in uh, China. And Apple did a uh, redo of their software, and only in China did they take that capability off the phones. Hmm. So, so they essentially, for lack of a better term, sided with the government. Um, you know, and, and I think you have that. That's that's a problem. Are these people? Are they American companies or not? I mean, uh, I mean, it's kind of scary to me. I mean, uh, it's probably not all that politically correct, but an awful lot of people holding the holding a an Apple phone and wearing Nikes, you know, are bitching about somebody who had slaves 150 years ago. I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> there's slavery right today in China, and yet people can't wait to buy stuff from there. It's uh, I know not all apples are made there, but a lot of them are. And I don't know if, if Apple had to make a decision between the U.S. and China, which one they'd pick right now. I mean, uh, i got to believe more of their investments there than here. Well, more well also more of their, their manufacturing and the production has, is, is over there than it is here. So that's, that's another function that even if you decide that you wanted to side on, on the American policies, um, if you do that, you may not be able to make any phones at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it's, of course, if you come here, I mean, I know, I mean, one of the things, and I'm not saying that these guys were, were purer than Pharaoh's wife. I mean, they weren't because Maddie lived in the same area. The guy's from General Iron. Well, those guys are a, a recycling plant of metal. And, of course, you get all the other crap there. That I don't, you know, who knows what they do with it? And the place was reasonably dirty, and once in a while <laughs> they'd have an explosion, which was, wasn't too cool. Uh, but all of a sudden, the people in the neighborhood, even though the place had been there a gazillion years, because Kingsbury, that whole area, was all industrial, well, people move around it, and they don't want them there anymore. Okay, so we know, we know. number one thing we know is that we want stuff recycled. And the guys who showed up there every day in the, in the pickup trucks, I mean, mostly Hispanic, but they could have been whatever, went up and down the alleys and took the recyclable stuff out of people's alleys, get it out of the garbage, and brought it over this place. And when you get out of there, my architect buddies tell me that the, the metal that comes out of one of those places, with exceptionally for, for high-end use, like for, uh, you know, tools and dyes and stuff, uh, you know, you can you can make bridges out of that stuff. I mean, it's it's that good. With You know, it's, it's, it's better than iron ore coming out of the ground and a bunch of dirt. And uh, so, okay, no, we don't want it there. So they say, all right, we're going to move you guys over to the east side. So they goes over to the east side, and all the people there say, well, we don't want it here. Well, I mean, you can't have it both ways. But we're, 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 I mean, I'm not saying I want it next door to my house, but I don't know how much it was bothering me. I mean, I, mean, I know some people in the neighborhood really thought it was, and I, you know, so, I mean, they're probably more on, more on it than I was. But, I mean, someplace somewhere in the city, there's an awful lot of open ground. I mean, there's a place for a recycling. If you don't want to, nobody, it's always going to be in somebody else's place. And a lot of the stuff in China is just we're offloading, essentially, well, we know we're offloading cheap later. We're also offloading pollution. Right. You know? India and China were you know, two of the biggest polluters in the country, in the world right now, because of, of the industrial work that they're doing. And a lot of that was offshore stuff from the United States. Yeah, I don't I mean, I, you know, the, the solutions here, I mean, it, it's obviously pretty easy to, to, to criticize, but I'm not so sure the pollution or uh, that, that China situation. 
I don't know what you do with that. For them, for them, everything they're stealing from somebody or doing this wrong or the human rights violations and the slavery and all the other stuff. Yet by the same token, it's hard to tell that to the guy from Coca-Cola. What are you talking about? There's a, there's a billion people who are drinking a Coke every day. I mean, this, this is great. You know, right, it's, and it's interesting now that Apple has come into the forefront as part of, the, part of being in the mix. You don't hear very much about Huawei and the, the technology for them. And, and well, you do yesterday. They just got... Or Samsung. I mean, all, those things have just kind of disappeared. You know, the, the Korean company and the Chinese company in the technology world and the phone world, but you don't hear much about them anymore. Actually, uh, yesterday, Huawei, finally, uh, they were banned from... Uh, they already banned from, Eddie. Why don't you look that up? Uh, they, they can, you can't import any of their stuff for uh, uh, defense stuff or anything. Um it started, I mean, how long did that take? Trump did that like in his first year, didn't he? He wanted to ban him. Now it finally, it finally has come through as a, as a regulation or something. They and somebody else. Anyway, why don't you mm-hmm. look up Huawei, Huawei, and, uh, Huawei. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're afraid that, uh, everything is going to be bugged if they send over here. But that's been a three or four year deal. And I also, then again, Brennan, you wonder how crooked any of this stuff is because one of my clients, uh, emailed me one day and said, those guys, at one point, had a real lot, I don't know how most or whatever, had a significant amount of the patents on five, 5G. Oh, okay. So we gave them, well, they applied for and received U.S. patents, according to this guy. Now, what happens? They don't get to use them? Who gets to use them? You and me? I mean, I doubt it. Somebody somebody gets them. Yep. I mean, there's all kinds of... And you're right. It won't be us. <laughs> no, it won't be us. Anyway, Brandon, thank you very much. But uh, S&P is up 11 now, and is up 53. Be right back. Joel and Cannon, I'm sure we'll have to hear about the Michigan win, which is okay. It was a big game. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tom. I'm Matt Byrne on the board. Matt Byrne. Matt Weber. Matt Byrne was here yesterday. We had two mats. We've had a lot of mats, haven't we? we, had, and we had, plus, we had girl Maddie, too, right? For a while. SP Futures up, SP Futures up 10. NASDAQ Futures up 49. Is it, is it still popular? Well, it's been cat? in the Bible for about, I don't know, 2,500 years. But, I mean, these, these names come and go. There's no, no times anymore. No one names their kid. Yeah, Matthew's definitely not as popular as it was in the 70s and 80s. Well, that's okay. We still like you and, and all the mats we know. <laughs> uh, Dow Futures up 40. Over in, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 29. These guys were all down a percent yesterday, but up 29 today, 0.2%. FTSE up 56. It's 0.8%. They weren't down as much. They're actually probably up on the two days. The around up 20.3%. Over in Asia, uh, Nikkei down 134.5%. Shanghai up 71, 2.3%. Get this. Uh, Hang Seng, which traded 14.5, is now 18 to it up, or up 906 points last night, over 5%. Because uh, now China is encouraging early vaccinations. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what kind of vaccine they've got over there if they have enough. I don't think they do, but maybe they do. Uh, Dow Jones down 497 yesterday. S&P down 62. NASDAQ down 176. So this bounce today so far is... Uh, we're very light compared to the sell-off, but still, it's a bounce. Uh, bonds uh, down four basis points, three point six five on the ten-year rate. The bond down eleven basis points, one point eight eight, getting sinking pretty far under two. Uh, Japan unchanged at uh, point two five. Actually, it's almost point two six. They're actually up a little bit. Uh, oil, which was down a bunch yesterday, today is up one eighty three to seventy nine oh seven. So that's back like three or four bucks. Uh, Brent up two thirty four eighty five fifty three. A natural gas up eight cents, seven twenty-eight. I mean, this is the is the news changes by the day. There's big volatility and all these things that never used to use all that move all that much. Arab up four cents, two thirty-seven. I guess it's because China is getting a little better uh, from, by the day. Uh, gold up thirteen ten. That's a big move, thir- uh, seventeen sixty-eight. Silver up thirty cents, twenty-one twenty-two. Copper up three cents, three sixty-four. Uh, we've got uh, Bitcoin up two forty-four to sixteen five, which is right about where it's been. Uh, some of the other guys have come back. They were getting clobbered yesterday. Ether, Ethereum, XRP, Litecoin, all these were just getting murdered. Now they're coming back today all up about 2%. And we have the U.S. dollar, uh, which is down a little bit against both. Uh, Euro, the euro is up to one almost up to 104, and the pound is up to one almost 120. So, maybe we have for us, Weather Sports. 
38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Off to a great start on the expressways here on a Tuesday morning. Absolutely no accidents to speak of in the area, so that's rare. And uh, less than normal traffic times so far in the uh, 6 a.m. hour. So enjoy a nice, quiet commute if you're heading out early today. Weather today, uh, mild temperatures uh, with rain later on in the afternoon and early evening. We'll reach a high of 56 uh, but it'll be mostly cloudy throughout the day with rain later on. Right now it's overcast and 43 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 66 today. Right now it's clear and 47. In sports, the Bulls with a nice road win last night at Utah, 114-107. Bulls are 9-11 on the year. Suns beat the Kings, 122-117. Suns are off to a terrific start, 14-6 on this season. Blackhawks were off last night. They're back in action tomorrow night as the Oilers come into town. USA Soccer World Cup, uh, today's the day. If the USA beat Iran, then they will advance uh, out of the group stages. If they lose or draw, they are done. It's a 1 p.m. Uh, kickoff uh, today on Fox. Lastly, Monday Night Football last night. It was the Steelers winning on the road in Indianapolis over the Colts, 24-17. Chief. The, uh, the Hawks, wow. We'll talk about that later. Joel, are you with us? Oh, yeah, Chief. Uh, my feet haven't hit the ground since Saturday afternoon, but I'm here. That's <laughs> the fir- first time you guys have beaten those guys tw- 22 years in a row since Tom Brady, right? 99 and 2000, exactly. And a quick good story for you. Um, that game in 2000 was one of, you know, of all the years I've been watching Michigan sports. That was one of the games I did not watch live. And the reason I didn't is because uh, my girls were 8 and 5 at the time, and my sister, who I'm very close with, uh, has three young girls, and the family decided to do a vacation to Aruba. And since it was a away game, I allowed it, went all the way to Aruba. Before I got there, uh, I got in touch with the bartenders, and I said, you got to VCR this game for me. So I got down there, I tried not to look at the TV, the wife had CNN on to uh, check the weather, and sure enough, I saw the score that we won. I didn't tell my dad, but then we went down in the bar and had a few pops, and uh, that was back when Drew Henson was our quarterback. Uh, Never did I think it would take 22 years to win again in Columbus, but... um, just a good all-around effort. Uh, yeah. You know, got the spoiler makers on Saturday and uh, big favorites in that game. But, um, man, I just I couldn't be happier, Chief. Yeah, it's uh, it was a pretty pretty serious win the whole way around, I thought. Uh, how much would you say you guys have been helped by the transfers? Oh, well, um, our starting center uh, was an All-American at Virginia. And um, he, uh, you know, he, he played extremely well. Uh, stabilized that uh, that offensive line. Um, maybe some backups, but I think that that, from what I can tell, he was like the only super starter um, that uh, we got out of the portal. Uh, but man, you you know, a center like that, an old American, you know, you, you know, you're not going to do much better than that of picking someone out of the transfer portal. I thought you guys said somebody that was. was I watched so many games. Who was the guy with the D lineman from uh, Alabama? That was a big star. Maybe it wasn't you guys. Was yeah, it? yeah. You know what? He. I thought he was going to be a bigger factor. Um, I can't announce his name. I think it's Ed Aoi or something like that. Um, he did get some sacks, uh, but 
Uh, I thought he'd be a little bit more active, but we did pick him up. He did have some good sacks earlier in the year, uh, but he was not. It was really our DBs, um, our defensive backs. Did you get? Did you guys watch the game at all? Yeah, I did. Or most of it, second half for sure. How, how about that breakup? Um, it was late in the game that Mike Sanistrill, uh, the Ohio State guy, down in the end zone, he had it right in his hands. He didn't interfere. He snuck his hand in there, popped it out. I think, man, that was one of the most impressive defensive plays I've seen in the history of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. Yeah, I've not talked to my, my family in Columbus. <laughs> I hope they're not suicidal, but I don't. I think they probably survived. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it, was a, it was a good win. I don't see how, how did Purdue manage to make Purdue's terrible. Yeah, that whole bracket over there, just no one wants to win it. And, uh, you know, Illinois was doing okay. They almost upset us. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the getting in with the four losses, pretty, pretty, pretty unusual. Uh, but, uh, that side of the brackets can be looking a whole lot different with, uh, uh, Rule going into Nebraska, Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin, and then, uh, USC and UCLA. Of course, coming in, I believe that's in 24. So um, that side of the bracket is going to be looking a hell of a lot tougher, and so is the Big Ten. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy, I'm gonna enjoy the, you know, the victory, and uh, you know, I'm not gonna be like a Brady or a Jordan and not go out on top. So I'm still gonna maintain my enthusiasm unknown to mankind, but I'm dialing it back a little bit, Chief. I'm getting old. I got the two victories. Uh, I am going to the Michigan-Virginia game, uh, 9.30 start tonight, but uh, that's just because I can take, I'm going with my uh, couple of my nephews. But, uh, you know, uh, sports is streaky, and Ohio State, uh, they had their streak on us, and we got two in a row going next year in Ann Arbor. Well, it, it certainly is a, a change in the, uh, you know, the, all the stuff, these guys transferring around and so forth, and you see the money flying at it, I mean, Southern Cal had 19 transfers. And again, they, what, the, the coach is living in a multi-million dollar house out there that they gave him or something. I mean, <laughs> now this guy going to Nebraska, they just paid a dude $20 million to leave, and now they're getting this guy an eight-year eight year deal. I mean, it's it's really something of the amount of cash that's being flying around here. I mean, it's, it definitely is the opiate of the people. I, don't, I, I think there's going to be a couple of schools that bail out. Hey, what do you, well, before we let you go, what do you think of this market? Uh, yesterday was a lousy day. Apple looked, you know... They're all screwing around over in China. It didn't didn't bode well for them yesterday, but uh. yeah. Um, I'm, you know, we we were weak yesterday. We really never had a shot. We're okay today. Um, I just like to you know hold last week slow. It, it's a waste down there. Uh, you know, got hit a little bit yesterday. Uh, I still think just from the S and P, it's a battle of four thousand. You know, we got nicely into the four thousand handle at the end of last week on light volume. They took it right back down, uh, but I think if um if we can establish a nice bid and the you know and, and some lows and get away from that four thousand level, um, I think we'll you know rally into the end of the year. Um, the buy the dippers are going to be here on these declines, but after five hundred point rally in the S and P's off that October low, I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious buying the dip. So perhaps we end up range bound for the end of the year. But I would really right. like to see us hold 4,000 on a closing basis. Um, well, that would be nice. Uh, thank you, Joel. Uh, good luck to your team. Uh, I don't I don't think they'll have a problem with Purdue. Who the hell knows? But 
I don't think so. SP Futures up 7, NASDAQ Futures up 42. Be right back. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lone more Bank Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Hamas. We're over the board. SP Futures up 875. We're up more. As they Futures up 45, so we're kind of leaking a hair here, but we're still up. Kenny, how are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. It says here that uh, COVID uh, fears ease in China. What a difference 12 hours makes. It's unbelievable, isn't it? They yeah. created hysteria yesterday, and over the weekend they created all this hysteria. They showed the, the, these, these massive crowds of protests, which I believe absolutely really happened for sure. But uh, then yesterday, the move goes from, in 12 hours, like you said, the move goes from, you know, complete disaster to, oh, it's all great. No, no worries. Everything's fine. You know, COVID's declining and uh, GE's in charge and people have gone back in their homes and it's all good. Yeah, I don't, uh, I can't begin to understand the, the state of affairs over there. I, there or in Iran, Iran, I just, it's probably right. even worse. It just doesn't even make it to the, to the news. It doesn't make it to the news. Yeah, but I'm surprised, actually, that, you know, uh, a lot of what was happening over the weekend in China actually made it out via Twitter or TikTok or any other social media. Why they didn't, you know, I'm surprised that the government didn't just shut it down. Well, what uh, what do you make of this? I don't know if you dug into it. Hopefully I'm not I'm ambushing you here. We were going back and forth on uh, emails yesterday with this Apple. There's some kind of app on the, on the, on the phone that you can communicate to people around you close without going through. They can't. They can't tell, so that's how the demonstrators are are, are are communicating with each other. And the Apple just shut the thing down. It basically sided yeah, with the yeah. government or something. I, 
I heard it. I don't understand it. I didn't. I didn't read it, but I did hear that that was the case. But look, they were they were talking in stories this morning that you know uh, the Chinese government, the CCP, is going collecting phones and they're searching through everyone's phone and they can tell by you know where the GPS said the phone was located at the time. They're looking for words in those and you know like WhatsApp is supposed to be an encrypted technology, right? That hides the conversation, but um, they're looking at all those encrypted apps, which they apparently have access to to find out who's talking about what, where they were, and then, uh, you know, some of those people are going to probably pay dearly for uh, for having been anywhere near there. Well, yeah, I mean, Carl sent me the, uh, you know, some, something you can pull up on your phone if you know how to do it, and it gives you a way to message. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I, of course, didn't understand it, but um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, cutting down the communication, right. uh, you know, you may... Yeah, that's the... That's the fear with all these mobile phones, because it can happen anywhere, right? People who don't think it's happening here in the United States are crazy. Maybe they're not cracking down and arresting you on your mobile phone, but they know exactly where you are, where you're going. If they want to find it, they can find it, right? They can just track you by the GPS on your phone because it pings off all the different cell towers that are located anywhere around you. I mean, you see it all the time on, you know, 48 hours or Dateline, how they track people with their phone. What is the difference uh, if you have everything, you know, Essentially, balls out. If you if you don't you don't care, you got all your location finders on and everything. I don't yeah. on mine. So what, what, I'm sure they could probably still find me. It's got to be a little harder. If it, I'm sure they could find you. Yeah, they have all the stuff that says you know you're hidden or using VPN and they can't find you and they can't see you. I think it's all baloney. I think they can find you. If they want to find you, they're going to find you. Yeah, no one like the same way that the same way that they broke into the Apple phones when those. You know, when the, remember when there was that murder and they were trying to figure it out and they were trying to bust into the phone and Apple said, no, 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 but they get in anyway, which is fine because in situations like that, they shouldn't be able to get in. But, um, you, you know, when people are protesting, you know, that's a whole different that's a whole different level of, you know, invasion. Well, one of my uh, buddies is a, a, you know, big time, well, big, he's been a big time for a long time defense attorney. <laughs> Three guys who uh, evidently there was a, Rail car somewhere in the south side, near south side, or in one of these rail yards that these guys busted open. There were guns in there, yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, not only did all three guys were triangulated with their phones, they were like two guys made a call from there. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, they were, you know, I don't know, I don't know how admissible that is. I'm no attorney, but it sounds to me like it's it's pretty admissible, or it's you know, it's certainly uh, telling. But what do you make? Uh, you know, we have the market. These interest rates are still kind of undecided a little. I don't know how far we're going to go back the other way. The the uh, the younger, the, the touts on TV are convinced that, you know, two years from now, we're going to be back to 2% and the market's going to be at all record highs again. I I don't know that we're ever going back to that. Kenny. I mean, it's... I, I, don't think, I don't think it's going back. I just don't see it at the moment. I mean, listen, at some point, maybe, but I don't see it any time in the near future. Do I think it's happening in 2023 or 2024? Absolutely not. In fact, I think it was Goldman yesterday that uh, it was Goldman, one of the banks came out yesterday and said that the Fed could be fighting this inflation thing into 2024, which is, you know, which is 15 months out from where we are today. And we've already been fighting it for the last 10 months. So think about that for a minute. Well, are they, are they I guess I've asked this before, when you're, when you're closer to these guys than I am, are, what exactly are they, are they, are they fighting? Can they, are, they, are they fighting the price level? Are they thinking they're going to drive these prices back down? Are they going to try and stop the increase? What do you think their goal is? Do they even know? Well, I'm not sure that they know, but I think the goal is to stop the increases because if they think they're going to force prices back down again. I mean, listen, they'll force prices back down occasionally when there are markdowns and sales and all that stuff. Actually, that we're seeing now because now there's so much inventory 
But I, listen, once they once they once wages go up, they're not going to force wages down, right? So wages are now entrenched. Once you get your raise, you get your raise. In fact, they, 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 somebody's not coming back and saying, "Oh, by the way, we're going to take away your raise." That's not happening. So what are they trying to do? They're just trying to slow the pace of of, of uh, price increases uh, going forward. And I think that's you know that's the goal, right? However, they get there, whether it's reduction of the balance sheet, by the way, which no one's talking about the quantitative tightening, which nobody seems to be talking about, which is going to uh, which is also playing a role in kind of the volatility of the market because people don't really understand, you know, what that's really going to mean once it once it really starts to kick in because we've still got a real real inflated balance sheet. But once they start to pull it in even more, then you'll see there'll be more disruption in. Well, it's uh, been it's been several months now. It's been several months now. The money supply has actually contracted a little bit, and it's it's correct. That's pretty rare. I mean, the same thing with the balance sheets actually creeping down a little bit. You're right. It's still right. still bloated, but um, I, I don't. I, I I have a great, really, have a big fear of these guys trying to do. I, I don't I, somehow, Kenny. I don't think they. I don't think they understand how things have changed. How concentrated well, I, places yeah, I think have that's been. True. I think we're in a place that we've never been before, for sure. Right. Don't forget, you and I have had this conversation. We've been stimulating since 2009. So for. 13 years, yeah. they kept rates artificially low. They kept uh, stimulating the economy. And not only the U.S., but around the world. And so, therefore, we're now in a place where we've never been, right? Um, what's that tagline for uh, for, Star, for Starship Enterprise, right? Yeah. Going to going where no man has ever gone before. Yeah. That's where we are now. And uh, and I and I, to your point, I think they're right. They don't know what it's going to be like on the way out. I think that's where all the concern is. Well, and that's why there's a logo. They're, they're, they're zeroed in, and boy, I hate to make a statement like this. They're, zero, they're zeroed in on the, uh, I won't say the dumb population, because the population is not dumb. Uh, the, the, the non, people have other stuff to do than you and I, which this is our job to watch all this stuff for people. Um, there's, there's no, I think if you pull the money supply back and use your, your normal tools, you're going to get gas prices to stop going up and go down, which they have. You're probably going to yep. get food prices and those kinds of things. I don't know about the. You still got the diesel package. You got to do something with because you got to get diesel down somehow because uh, gas right. is going well, down. Gas will, gas will go down if uh, if production goes up, right? Supply increases, then the price of gas will go down. Right. The price of oil will go down, and so therefore you'll get relief there. You will get relief in food prices if, uh, like the you know the breadbasket of the world, which is Ukraine, if that war suddenly stops and. They start return to normal, then you'll get pressure, downside pressure, because supplies will increase. So you will get um, you will get some some decline there. But I think there are other parts of the economy where price increases are already well entrenched. I mean, I don't see. To me, some of this stuff is so rigged. When I say rigged, these these are these are antitrust issues. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no way that <clears throat> you're, you're going to get Commonwealth Edison or People's Gas to drop their rates. They've been up tremendously in 13 years. You're right. not going to you're not going to get uh, <clears throat> a university. I mean Notre Dame's not going to be 50 grand next year. You're not going to get your your property taxes aren't going down. I mean the, I'm going to say 80% of what people spend is locked in. Right. And those things are they they become institutionalized. Now we're talking about cars the same way. Right. I mean it becomes entrenched. Well, you're going to get ho- houses are going to come down and how much is that going that's going to hurt people because the rates are up. But you, depending on how tough the recession is, in terms of people having to move, that's going to be either a big problem or something we can deal with. I, I wish I could figure out a crystal ball on that one, but I don't. 
Yeah. Well, right, understood. But look, remember, we heard from all the big banks that they are they are uh, allocating more money to reserves because they fully expect that they're going to be large credit defaults going forward, whether they're housing defaults, revolving credit defaults, uh, HELOC loan defaults, that they are fully expecting these defaults on the retail side to you know to hit hard. Never mind, forget the commercial side. That's a whole other conversation. But they're expecting that uh, people are going to run into a difficult time, and so we're going to run into... Um, uh, you, you know, a situation where it's, it could potentially get ugly. Well, who are you guys? I, I was reading. Uh, I mean, I've seen this on you know some of the sites. I'm not a big shopper, but um, I've seen it on some of the sites where you know, other than your credit card, if you want something, you, you want to sell you a shirt, you know, uh, buy now, pay later. Now that that's right. different from the credit card. It's a different group. Well, those are all those new, right? The firms of the world and uh, all those new services, but what does that tell you, right? If people are starting to buy now and pay later, all that tells you is that they're desperate, right? If they can't buy now and pay now, that's a problem. More mm-hmm. of a problem than just a regular revolving credit card because uh, the firms now make it available for uh, for everybody right right across the board, and that's going to be another potential default. Now what's what's the interest on that stuff? So in other words, if I go to L.L. Bean and I can't afford the credit card, I, I use so that thing? Right. Now what E. I don't know if that is that. So then I, have, then I end up with an account there. Yeah, you end up with an account there, and they all do it. They all have the link now. When you go shopping online, it said, you know, when it comes to how would you like to pay? Well, you can pay credit card, you can pay with PayPal, you can pay with buy now, pay later, right? Affirm, which is the big one here in the states. Okay. Well, I mean, it's uh, so. What do you make now? The end of the year? Do you think we? And some people are convinced, you know, that we have this huge Santa Claus rally. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm kind of neutral there. I don't think it's a huge Santa Claus rally. I think the market's going to continue to churn. We saw yesterday what happened. I think we're going to have more of these days, you know, where we where we churn kind of in place, head a little bit lower, and then rally into the 4,000 range by year-end. Look, don't forget, Bank of America and Goldman came out yesterday and talked about how they fully expect that we're going much lower. You know, go, uh, Morgan Stanley's got a 3,200 price target on the S&P, but they think we're going to end the year at 3,650. Goldman thinks we're going to end the year at 3,600, which is 4% or 5% below where we are currently. Um, and so I think it's going to be, I don't think we're going to get this huge Santa Claus rally, but I think we're going to get a rally into the final week of the year off of lower levels from where we are now. So, uh, you know, is it a rally or is it just, you know, kind of a, kind of a, a blip. One quick quick question. I was reading this weekend that I did my little thing on the six, the Fang stocks plus, and yep. I, they had them down, you know, three point five trillion on the year. This guy did the uh, the full Nasdaq, and uh, and he was said that we're down seven point four trillion. Now, normally that would be, is it because it ran up so fast and it ran down so fast that people didn't normally have, didn't have the chance to get all the margin loans and pull all the money out and all that kind of stuff that it's not as as harmful as you normally would expect it to be? Because it doesn't seem to be. Um, you know, that's an interesting question. We should talk about that. We should talk about that some more. But um, I'm not sure that people are completely caught off guard by it. I think I think there's a lot of movement. I think individual investors have smartened up, uh, and they're not necessarily bailing at the first sign of, oh, my God, you know, that they're actually taking advantage of weaker prices. I think it's the institutions actually that have to raise money to meet obligations and that stuff, so they sell the stuff they can, and in this case, you know, tech certainly is a place, big tech especially, is a place where you can raise cash fast, but it's also a sector that will come under uh, pressure with rising rates, and we've seen that, so 
But I think as a retail investor, look, I haven't sold any of my, my long, long-term tech, like my Amazon and Apple and Microsoft. I haven't sold any. In fact, I bought it uh, on weakness, right? Because those are just names that I think are foundational. Those aren't names that, you know, I'm panicked about. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to ride it out and take advantage of the weakness. And I think a lot of retail people are now starting to smarten up and go, whoa, 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 this kind of, this kind of time the top and time the bottom and get in and get out and trade and buy and sell all day long is baloney. If you stick to the long-term plan, I think it's a much... I think it's a much safer bet. Well, I think obviously you've been doing a while. You've been right on that. SP Futures up 10. Kenny, thank you. Talk to you next week. SP Futures up 51. Be right back. Professor Hellstar. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Well, we're back stocks and checks. Dr. Mama Smith Weber on the board. SP Futures up 10. NASDAQ was up 50. We've been kind of up a little bit more last night and this morning, but uh, we were starting to leak, and now we've come back to kind of in the middle of this. Professor, how are you? I'm doing good. Did you uh, uh, watch, watch any of the. You see, Joel was all ecstatic about his mission. Did you watch any of the games this weekend? We've got a lot of, lot of sports. I watched uh, Caleb Williams. Wow. <laughs> that guy is good. Man. Yeah, yeah. The, uh... Holy shnikes, man. It, I, I mean, he was like, uh, I don't know, he's going to be really good in the NFL. I mean, the guy's running on the, he's, he's, he's running, kind of jumping, throwing against his body, and it's just a bullet. Yeah, the dude. The uh, uh, receiver on the, on the sideline, man. It's just crazy how good that guy is. This is the, the Southern Cal guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the guy yeah. that was from D.C., yeah. Apparently, he's been uh, training his whole life. 
um, for this opportunity. He's he's got he he, he uh, plans out his diet, uh, and he's been doing it forever. I mean, and the stage, big stage. Some people can't handle a big stage, but this guy, he uh, seems to. And every game I've seen him play this year, he's just good. I think he had a bad game at Oregon State. You know, that's a big travel going up to Oregon State and then, you know, flying into Portland and driving down to Corvallis. That's like going to Pullman, Washington. Yeah. Uh, but other than the Oregon State game, he pl- has played every game so well. I mean, he's always got his A game, it seems like. Yeah, he's, uh, he looks like a, uh, the next Justin Fields. Would you agree, Mitty, on that? Or? Yeah, he went to Oklahoma. <laughs> he went to Oklahoma with Lincoln. <laughs> he look, went Justin to Oklahoma. Fields, you know, the problem with the Ohio State quarterbacks, I can tell, I, I watched the Ohio State game. And they they looked great the first half because you get that you get that you got that home field advantage and I think home field advantage in college is responsible for about fourteen points for the home team especially at a place like Ohio State but I think the problem with uh, the Ohio State quarterbacks is I think there's a history of this they have this they have this like one read offense and they have such great players that when uh, they get in the NFL they can't do that but when you watch Caleb Williams man he's going through his progressions he's uh, Scrambling, he gets close to the line of scrimmage, kind of pops back, and he finds some guy. I mean, the guy's his eyes are all over the field, and I don't think that goes on at Ohio State. They're just that good, right? They got that, that good of players. Ready, you were saying? Well, yeah, I, I agree with everything House said, and I was just adding that uh, Caleb Williams was Lincoln Riley's top recruit at Oklahoma, and then played the one year yeah. at, at Oklahoma and was spectacular. And then when Lincoln Riley took the USC job, his first order of business was bringing Caleb Williams with them from Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, you know the kid, the kid didn't play a senior in high school because of COVID. This guy is basically a, a freshman, a true freshman, playing at this elite level. It's crazy how good he is. Well, he must have played. He played one year in Oklahoma, or not? Yeah, he he played. He did. Yeah, he played one year home. That would have been basically his senior year because he didn't play football his senior year in high school. Yeah, he played his year at Oklahoma was you know would have been his senior year of high school essentially. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like his outfit when he showed up. <laughs> oh, the white suit. Yeah, that yeah. looked good, man. It looked like the old throwback teams from the nineteen thirty. I don't. I don't think he's uh, he's hurting for uh, meal money somehow or other. No. no. You know, but apparently, uh, apparently, this money hasn't gone to his head because I've read articles about him kind of spreading it out a little bit. You know, giving people on different teams um, gifts and stuff. So I don't think it's going to his head at all. I think, I think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to Ryan Leaf it. I'm going to use Ryan Leaf as a verb there. I don't think he's going to Ryan Leaf it. I, I just don't think he is. I think he's just a different kind of cat. I think he's more like a, a Tom Brady. Well, he's more like a. Uh, Peyton Manning, right? I think he's going to meet all expectations in college. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't. Okay. I mean, I, I watched Ryan Leaf play live, and he was an incredible specimen. But the problem with Ryan is he was always good, and that gives you a bit of a moral hazard. And he didn't he didn't like practicing. He could show up to practice late. You can't do that in the NFL, and I just don't see that in Caleb Williams. I, I think he's going to I think he's going to be the next great thing in in football. Well, my he's uh, watching film. One of the guys I used to watch. He's in the film room. Well, the guys I used to trade, uh, we stood right in front of me, or two, two rows, depending on the day. Uh, coach, he's been on the show, actually. Uh, he said that that's why your, your, your college is where you get the best quarterbacks. He said uh, most schools, you have one read. You have, there's a pass play, you throw to one guy. 
he said the schools like Notre Dame and a, and a bunch of them in the middle uh, have two reads, and they're pretty good. But the only the only schools at that time that had the three reads were Purdue and uh, BYU. And they were they were the cradle of quarterbacks for how long? You know, those two places. Yeah. He said, but Notre Dame, you know, it's it's not bad. He said, Ohio State, Michigan, strictly one read back in those days, and uh, that's why you don't get too many guys out of there. But Michigan, Michigan got better. They got the two, and obviously Brady came from Michigan, and people came Ooh, along man, this stuff. Michigan, they look good on a yeah. Saturday, man. I, I, yeah, I couldn't believe they were able to go into the horseshoe and do what they did without their best player. I mean, I mean that was just impressive. I mean, I, I have them at number one because of that. Well, they picked... They picked up a few guys that helped, and you know it, yeah. all it takes—the difference between you know one team and the other at that level. Well, one side loses a couple people, the other guy picks up a couple people, and all of a sudden you're—I mean, look at look at—no greater uh, example than the Rams this year. I mean, how bad are they, Matt? I mean, uh, and they, you know, and they—they're down what five people or so. They're—they're they're not even close to being. They're, they're yep. any, you have to play the tougher schedule year after you win a Super Bowl, obviously, and then they lo- had a bunch of injuries, and now they're not going to make the playoffs. And what's his name? Donald just went down this weekend, right? He's not going to play for a little while. Uh, yeah, and, and then what you always say starts to happen where your guys that have the, the nagging injuries just shut it down. And then the second half of the year, they don't play at all. <laughs> well, yeah, well I, that would, you know, I could see that. Yeah, that's exactly what's starting to happen with these teams. And you're going to see it with the Bears, too. Well, but then look at the guy in the, that went from the Bears. Uh, you know, Hicks, what a huge year he's having for Tampa. And I, I bet he plays the whole season. Yeah, they're in the, but he plays like every third game. <laughs> yeah, well, he's you know, but he has been good when he's out there. Um, how, what do you make of? Uh, I mean, we've had all kinds of all kinds of guests talking about. You know, the uh, it's really hard for me to. Really, I mean, I don't I don't know about a lot about these industries. We had uh, maybe we had one guy on who was uh, one guy. He would a he had a coatings industry of uh, pots and pans. I mean, don't don't call it Teflon or anything. It's pissed because it's way beyond that. Um, and he had to move his operations a lot of them to China because that's where. People were making the pots and pans, you know. So he didn't, he didn't want to be in China. He was in West Chicago. He was happy there. But he said, "No, man, why, how am I going to put a, ch- a coating on in West Chicago when the pot is being made in China and shipped from there?" Right? He was, I had a, so there's a lot of people that are very kind of reluctantly over there. And now I got to believe those guys are really caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, I bet some of those manufacturers are trying to. Some are trying to go go elsewhere. Now do you have to. If they go to Korea, now do you have to go to Korea? Or what if half of them go to Korea and half of them go to Thailand? Then what do you do? I, mean, I, I think this is causing some real, um, s- some stretch marks, for lack of a better term, in a lot of industries. And I don't know, is there anything that, you know, any economic research that even can describe something like this? I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know anything I've ever read that uh, can even, you know, predict what, how this is all going to uh, shake out, do you? I mean, even the mercantile area and those kinds of things, this is not... There's, there doesn't seem to be a, a roadmap here, does there, or is there? Well, I think China is just. Uh, I don't. I think China modified its. Uh, you know, my my uh, brother-in-law Chris went to China, and he noticed that people say one thing in public and they uh, keep their personal views private, right? So they have their public face and then they have their private face. And I think China basically just changed its public face, but it's still that authoritarian. Nightmare dictatorship, brutal dictatorship that enslaves people. I was telling my mother-in-law, if, you, if you're a poor uh, black dude or white dude, and you go to China illegally, you're not going to be—they're uh, not going to let you stay on the street. They're going to put you in a labor camp, right? In America, you come here, depending on what the city is. I mean, things are handed to you. 
you know, we welcome you with open arms in some cities, right? But that doesn't happen in China, right? So China is this brutal dictatorship. I think they think they found the holy grail with this AI. And so they're doing, they're repeating Mao's mistake. Mao basically just locked in the technology of the day in a brutal dictatorship that lasted, you know, 20, 30 years. And they opened up a little bit. Now they've locked it in again. And I think, I think China is the, uh, is a bad bet because the, the things they're doing to the people right now, Shanghai is, Shanghai is basically uh, a labor camp, uh, lockdown labor camp. Yet they're using COVID as an excuse to jail millions and millions of people. And the, the Chinese people have finally said, we've had enough of it. But the odd thing is the administration and the media is silent about it, which means they silence. We, we learned that silence is compliance, right? During yeah, the yeah. Uh, George Floyd protest. So they're, they're compliant with this tyranny in China. And it's just going to pull them down. And, you know, I feel bad for the companies that are there. I don't, I don't see it getting any better because unless the Chinese Communist Party gets rid of President Xi, that's the only way this happens. I mean, they got to get rid of this dude. Well, He's a brutal, brutal tyrant. They don't, they, they don't most people have to say it. They, saw, they gave him all power three weeks ago or four weeks ago, right? I know, but, but these but the people you can only rule the people until you lose the consent of the people, and I think he's losing the consent of the people. The same thing's going on in Brazil. Uh, there are millions of people protesting the election in Brazil, and the military is aligned with the, the former president and the current the guy that they that the media uh, and the uh, state has said one. There are millions of people in the street in Brazil protesting that. And so I think you can only govern as long as you have the consent of the governed. And people people will accept a lot. I think we're accepting a lot in the United States. We got this high inflation, recession is coming, um, we got an unsustainable debt. Um, you know, it could trigger a collapse in the dollar eventually if we don't get this under control. People in America can accept a lot, but there's a point where people have had enough. And I think I think this stuff has got to go. Well, I think you, you might be right. I, I don't know how. Uh, I mean, they're the successful revolutions. I, some of the stuff I, I mean, saw yesterday. I mean, obviously we we try and on the show not tremendously, but we like to point people in the direction that we, when we know it of how to make some money. Yesterday there was a pretty interesting article, and, and Chevron was way up in the morning, and then it was down, and now now it's now it's back up today. Uh, they got a little. I'll say a memo. They got an announcement from Venezuela, since Venezuela was being so, you know, so flat on their ass, they were going to allow Chevron to come down and start growing oil again. Well, I don't know. Is that, is that, is that a tradable? You, so they've had, I mean, I think they had massive oil fields and equipment down there that they pretty much had a punt out on, right? Now, does that mean... Well, what is, what Venezuela, I mean, the guy comes to power by promising lower prices, so he locks in these lower prices, he sets prices, he creates all kinds of shortages. You know, it, it got so bad that rich people are paying poor people to stand in line for him at the grocery store. Uh, poor people were uh, killing live game in the wilderness and eating it raw. I mean, that's how bad it got in Venezuela, right? Meanwhile, his daughter is one of the richest women on the planet. She's a billionaire, right? Yeah. So they, they come in and they... they they tell the people, they tell the, the people that we're going to cap prices, right? That causes shortages, right? And so the government wants to do what? The government wants the industries to produce more. But the, the, 
the, the cap and price is, is eliminated the marginal firm, right? And the only way you can make a maybe break even is by reducing your supply. So they reduce the supply. Now there's not enough supply, there's extra demand, there's shortages, there's lines. What does the dictator do next? Then the dictator blames the corporations oh, yeah. and nationalizes the corporations, and then it forces these nationalized corporations to produce at the quantity that it wants. Now it's making a loss. How does it cover those losses? It prints a bunch of money uh, by, uh, you know, uh, having a central bank buy its treasuries. So then it has a hyperinflation. And it hit to the point where people have just had enough. And I think in Venezuela it's gotten so bad that Venezuela's got to rethink its nationalizing of the... Now, if I was Chevron, I'd be a little worried that if I build an oil rig or a refinery in Venezuela... I'd be a little worried that eventually it's going to be nationalized. Well, what do you think the condition of... This has to be... Yeah, maybe we're just starting to show when this all started. So it has to be 10, 15 years ago. Or, I mean, the big oil fields that used to have the big Chevron on them, or Exxon, or whatever the hell it happened to be, or Occidental, what is it? Do these guys not even try and, and, uh, and use them, the Venezuelan guys? If they did and they couldn't do it right, how bad did they screw them up? If not... If they just laid there for 10 years, how good are they? I mean, do you even want to go back, I guess, if you're Chevron? Well, anytime you have an authoritarian system like in Soviet Union, for example, and you don't have to face the competition because you're the state-owned firm. Uh, for example, in the Soviet Union, one, one, the leading cause of fires in Moscow uh, was exploding televisions. So when you're the, you're, when you're the monopoly supplier and your monopoly is supported by the state, and nobody else can legally sell, you're not uh, disciplined by the market. And so these oil rigs, these oil operations in Venezuela, they're government-owned, right? They're all owned by the same entity. They don't face the competition. They're, they're producing at a level that doesn't make them economic profit because of these price caps. And so the money that the government hands them they're using that to probably do minimal amounts of maintenance because they're not really interested in, they're not thinking about the long-term impact of not doing maintenance on these plants. So I think that's why you see these uh, government-run operations uh, not able to continue long-term. They, they just don't face the competition, right? They have... As long as they produce X barrels of oil a day, they keep the dictator happy, right? Keep the doctor away. Well, the uh, the the pipeline that everybody was fighting about during the Trump and then uh, Biden finally said no. The one that went through the uh, Nebraska, that pipeline yeah. was for uh, Canadian tar sand oil, correct? And I think so. Yeah, it was coming from the sands. From yeah. what I understand of the. Venezuela, unbeknownst to most, uh, of course I can't confirm this other, other one I read, has actually more oil reserves than, than Saudi. They have more oil reserves than anybody in the world. But the stuff is... Well, I think the United States has natural gas reserves that would last us like 300 years. Yeah, who does? Oh, United States, yeah. United uh, States, yeah. United States, yeah. We have incredible amounts of uh, natural gas. And natural gas is of the fossil fuels. I think, I think Nancy Pelosi made the mistake of referred to natural gas as a, a carbon-free fuel, a clean fuel. But it's a, a, a clean, carbon-based fuel, and I don't understand why we don't use it. Um, it's a lot more reliable than wind. Right now, it's the U.K. The winds are down, 
they, I think the winds die down every winter. They have the biggest, I think, wind farms in the world, and their natural gas prices are spiking right now. Their energy prices are spiking because the wind isn't able to keep up with the demand. And they, have to, they actually are literally, the government's actually literally bribing people with these smart meters to, to uh, turn down their, uh, their thermostats. We should be in the blanket business over there. <laughs> well, they got the wool industry, right? Yeah, but I, I guess what I'm, uh, we're, we're, the the amount of, I mean, that's just, that industry is just so it takes so long, so long to ramp up. Then when you do, but anyway, when I was finished my story about the pipeline. I think the lack of Venezuela oil, which is you know heavy and dirty, that's you know, yeah. and, and refineries. I'm not an oil engineer, but refineries are designed usually, unless it's some massive place, for really one kind of oil, correct? I mean, you know, yeah. uh, well, you know, so it's crazy because the, the, you know, the administration is telling our companies that we're not going to finance you. You know, they're strong-arming these companies like BlackRock, these investment companies. They're, uh, you know, nudging banks to debank oil and gas drilling. But the United States probably does it cleaner, does those operations cleaner than any other country on the planet. Oh, sure. And so we can't drill here, but the administration's asking the Saudis, who probably don't care about, you know, the environment at all, and they're asking the Venezuelans, who have that dirty, heavy crude, to drill more. So this has nothing to do with, this has absolutely nothing to do with the environment. It has, it's never been about the environment. Sure it does, not not in your backyard. To me, it's always about this kind of like, I don't know, country-level communism where we got to steal from the rich nations and give to the poor that just makes everybody poor communism whatever form it is in at the national level at the individual level or socialism whatever you want to call it doesn't make us all equally wealthy it makes us equal but it makes us equally poor and i think it's playing out right now well i think you're right about that except the the rich nations always manage to get they keep claiming that they're given all these other places i don't know if you're given i think they're getting more than they're given well, I think, I think the leaders of the rich nations are going to stay where they're at, like in, in North Korea, right? In North Korea, the bureaucracy, they live pretty pretty high off the hog relative to the, the people, the regular people, right? Oh, the majority of the population, the 95%, right? They live pretty well. The odd thing is if they were to adopt market, uh, adopt markets, a market system, the, 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 the top would be even wealthier than they are. But the key thing is they don't have to face the competition. See, they don't have to face the competition. All they got to do is satisfy the dictator. Well, I don't. I don't. I, I think dictator. that works. That works for the the top ten percent. I don't think it works for the top one tenth of one percent. Those guys do much better by stealing. I mean, you're not, you're not going to convince the. <laughs> well, I, I think their lobbying efforts in D.C. is a form of theft because well, they lobby for benefits that benefit them and harm everybody else. Well. But I think those lobbying efforts are a theft. Well, the lobbying can be broken down into all kinds of different parts. I mean, some of it is is education. Some of it is, uh, you know, I mean, we did we had a lobbying effort, the CBOE, and but it was uh, it was kind of watching out for bills that you know people put through that wanted to screw the industry because you're going to find people doing that. And the other thing was to make bring people whenever they were in town over to like breakfast and lunch. And uh, you know you only could give them five hundred thousand bucks, but it, it wasn't the reason why they were there. 
they would sit down and they'd take a tour of the place and see what you were all about. It was an educational thing for visiting senators and reps. So, it, I mean, that's that's lobbying too. I don't really have a problem with that piece. Uh, well, you know. the problem the problem with the system is that I think the the least worst state, the least worst government system, is one where we have a true constitutional republic where everybody's treated equal under the law. Congress rarely meets. Maybe they meet only to declare a war. That is, you know, a nation that is actually directly threatening us. And basically it's a hands-off system where the politicians have their regular jobs and the federal government has scaled way back. You don't need lobbying efforts because what's going to happen under that system is that there, there's going to be competition. There isn't going to be any created government uh, monopolies and cartels. There's no need to lobby government for special favors because everybody is is exposed to the same rules and the government isn't uh, both an umpire and a player in the market. Right now the government is the umpire and a player in many markets. For example, the you know gambling. Sure. Right? It's the player and the umpire. We need to get rid of that stuff, right? I was telling my mother-in-law on our political things, you know, Thanksgiving's become very political and I was telling my mom that uh, we need to get rid of income taxes. We need to get rid of federal income taxes. And the reason why is because paying federal income taxes, you, you look at the start of the federal government taxing people on their income, look how many wars were a result of that. So you, if you get rid of federal income taxes, we probably knock off this nonsense of causing a war or getting into a war every 10 years. Right? So the best argument against income taxes is our federal government, our Defense Department, can no longer engage in wars with other nations and interfere in their internal workings. Yeah, but if you, uh, you know, I, I can, I, I can push back on a lot of what I think. If we started from where you want to design the world, it'd be a good world. But I don't know how you can come in at this point. Uh, we're sort of not going to. We, you can't. You can't. I mean, people say right now, well, let let uh, let business be business. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Business is not, Commonwealth Edison is not business. I mean, General Motors is not business. They've had, I mean, they, they have been, uh, they've, they got, they got a sacred place. They're not, they're, they're never going to be competitive. So you, you can't say that, that, that Pfizer buying, you know, Moderna is, is, is good business for anybody. I mean, we're, we're at the point where, you know, you can't. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that statement about Pfizer, but Pfizer basically has a government supported monopoly in yeah. the things that they sell. Right, so we 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 live in a world where it's really messed up by us expecting federal regulators to make these firms behave right. And FTX is an example of how bad that system is. It had the AG of the Bahamas as an employee. The chief regulator of the Bahamas was an employee of the bank that was under the FTX umbrella. So you literally have what the uh, the wolf running the chicken coop or something, right? You literally oh, yeah. have that right now. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that system we have right now, the reason why it's so messed up is because you have these interlocking uh, boards of directors, right? You have these interlocking boards, and you have this partnership between these big, huge corporations and the states throughout the world. And that's the, prop- the problems we're having right now. 
we don't need more of it. We need actually less of it. Well, I mean, I don't, uh, we got a dash here for break, but for a, for a long time, there was some counter to that because you know, even though I'm not a, a huge fan of uh, you know uh, union union uh, administrative excess as much as I had governmental administrative excess, I mean, we, we had somewhat of a counter to that because the the unions in Washington, whether they did it on purpose or not, were somewhat of a, they were the voice of the middle class. And now the middle class basically has no voice, I don't think. Do you? Yeah, I don't think the middle class has any voice. SP uh, Futures only have, uh, okay, yeah. we're only up two bucks now. As if Futures up 20, we come back, we're going to get hell's read on the markets and uh, how this chain and all this other stuff is going to affect markets here. I mean, someplace along the line, we got to decide whether how do we make a trade on this. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Loan up Stocks and Jacks. Hunter Miami spent one on the board. SB Futures only up a buck now, just a buck. NSA Futures up 18, so not much of a rally. We're leaking here a little bit. The Dow's actually down 25, the Dow Futures, so we're not up fairly strong early, but not as strong as we were down yesterday, but still looked like a bounce. No, not so much. DAX is now down 16.1%. FTSE up 42.6, pretty strong there. Kick around up a dollar, so call that one flat. In Asia, we've got a huge rally in the China market. Nikkei's down 134.5%. However, Shanghai's up 71, 2.3%. Get this, Hang Seng up 906, 
It's five percent. That thing has been so volatile. It, I guess if you're trading it and you're on if, and you got it, you're on the right sine wave. You're doing real well, boy. If you're not, you're getting your butt kicked. Uh, that's five percent. Yesterday we were down at four ninety seven in the Dow, S and P down sixty two, Nasdaq down one seventy six. So right now we're not coming back really in any of that. Uh, we're still I think up for the month here on the November 29th, but uh, I don't know. Uh, yesterday did not help. Uh, bonds uh, unchanged now at three point seven zero. The bond minus uh, six basis points to uh, one point nine two, so kind of firmly under two percent. Uh, Japan unchanged at point two six. Uh, oil up a buck twenty seventy eight forty four. They got down to like 74.5 the other day, so it's bounced back a little bit. Rent up 163.84.82. Natural gas up 3 cents, 7.23. So we we're down under 6. Now we're back up over 7. Tal was saying the price in Europe is uh, headed to one of any of those ships that were wandering around waiting for better prices have actually landed and unloaded the liquid uh, natural gas ships. Our Bob up 4 cents, uh, 2.36. The rally in gold up 13 bucks, 17.68. Silver up 26 cents, 21.14. Uh, copper up three cents, three sixty-four. So we rallied the metals here today. Uh, Bitcoin up two hundred three, sixteen four three six. All the other ones that were really getting hammered yesterday, well, they're not, not up as much as they were earlier. Uh, Ethereum, XRP, Litecoin, all those guys were actually up a little bit yesterday. Look, like they're going to zero, but today they're coming back some. The uh, U.S. dollar is down a little bit, so the euro is uh, up to one hundred three six, and the pounds up to one point two zero one twenty. So. Pounds low tick was about 104. So they've come back, you know, 15% from there. That's a lot. Maybe what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a significant crash on the northbound Stevenson just before I-294, which is exit 277A. It's reported a five-car crash uh, that uh, has uh, the uh, Stevenson. It was completely blocked. They've gotten them all to the shoulder now, but it has the Stevenson jammed up from Route 83 into the scene right before 294 there on the uh, northbound Stevenson. So you want to avoid that if at all possible. Not sure how there could be a five-car crash right there. Uh, there's no ice or anything like that, but uh, that's where we're at. 90 miles an hour. That could be uh, two, so uh, we'll keep uh, keep an eye on that, but that's the only significant issue in the area right now. Traffic's starting to build throughout the area, but no accidents to report on any of the other expressways, just the Stevenson at 294. Off the expressways, we have one other crash uh, to note, and that's on uh, Highway 20 at Swift Road in the uh, western suburbs. But everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, overcast skies throughout the day, mild temperatures. And then we'll have rain moving in in the late afternoon, early evening. We'll reach a high of 56 with rain later on. Right now it's cloudy and 44 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 66 today. Right now it's clear and 48. In sports, the Bulls won at Utah last night, 114-107. Suns beat the Kings, 122-117. Blackhawks were off. They're back in action tomorrow night. USA will uh, have a chance to advance to the next round in the World Cup, but they have to beat Iran to do it. Uh, the winner will advance uh, out of the group stages. That game will kick off at 1 p.m. Central Time on Fox. If USA draws or loses, they are eliminated. Lastly, Monday Night Football last night, it was the Steelers beating the Colts on the road 24-17. Chief. Why does it have to be Iran we're playing, of all places? Yeah. <laughs> How about Iran being good enough to make the 16-team World Cup? Well, where, where do those... Uh, I was asking, who the hell was on yesterday? I was asking, uh, maybe maybe Helm was some of this. Their, their guys played like the uh, 
Turkish leagues and so on. They're not the Iran guys. Don't don't play on like Manchester, do they? Or do they? The, the world guys. Yeah, the guys of the Iran war. I mean, uh, where how do they how do you get out of Iran to go play in Germany or? or are they already playing on these big, huge teams? Or are they? Oh, I, I don't know if any of them are good enough to play in the Premier League. Um, by the way, I said 16 teams. There's 32 teams in the group stages, 16 if they advance. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look at their roster. I don't know if they have anyone good enough to play in, in the Premier League, but, um, well, but they, they might. Be, they wouldn't be as good if they they have nobody. I mean, well, I mean, you know, you the, like you, USA. I think only has one or two guys that are in the that are you know contributors at a, at a Premier League you know powerhouse team. Um, it, that's like the elite of the elite. They they probably have some that are you know role players or in some of the lower division type teams, but there aren't very many Chelsea and Manchester United and, and guys like that playing for the U.S. Let alone Iran. Most of those guys are playing for England or Germany or Portugal or you know teams like that. One of these days, uh, yeah, we should drag drag him kicking and screaming over to a microphone. My my brother. Uh, he's researched a lot about how this works and over there, and it's pretty interesting. If, if you have a city and you just want to make a soccer team, you can, and you can get into some lower league. And as, as you advance, if you get real good, they boot somebody out in a bigger league, and you get in. Yeah, it's yeah, I love that. It's yeah. a perfect system. Yeah, I love yeah. that system. The relegation system. Yeah, I think they have four main professional leagues, and then below that, they have a bunch of other lower leagues that if you win those, you can work your way up into the four main leagues and you're, everyone's trying to get to the top of the pyramid. Well, that could have, have if, you get, if you get good enough, you can be you can enter the, you get invited to join the cartel. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm sure right now, you know, some, there's got to be some minor leagues in Canada that are as good as the Hawks. <laughs> there might be. There might, I just... You know, I tried, I tried watching the... Uh, I, I was able to get through about three quarters of that match with U.S. and the U.K., but about midway through that second half, I think they call it a half. About midway through that second half, I just fell asleep. <laughs> well, that game in particular. I was really trying, man. I was really trying. Yeah, that game in particular, how I'm not surprised you fell asleep because that that both those teams looked like they were playing not to lose. Well, they, that's that's a yeah, strategy. Yeah. Like, well, the Americans were a little better. They they shot more goals, right? Yeah. They had more attempts, right? But. But the, yeah, I, I couldn't get through it. I just couldn't get through it. Yeah, the risk of, of being overly aggressive and then giving up a fluke goal and losing was much, much higher than just playing conservative and settling with for a draw. And you could see both teams... Yeah, the UK was just settling for the draw, weren't yeah, they? They, they, didn't were, they weren't even really trying. They were just holding the ball. Yeah. They're doing the old Oregon State four-corner. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Chief, I remember they're doing the old four-corners in basketball before the shot clock. Well, you're, you're from the West, so you remember Oregon State. I remember Duke and Bobby Hurley. I remember North Carolina. Yeah, I think did, Dean Smith invented it. Did, yeah. did Duke do that? Did Duke uh, work the ball in the uh, corner? But, but Dean Smith was the just pass it around? Oh, man, he's right. Um, it was North, North Carolina. Car- they invented it. Dean yeah. Smith. Back, oh, okay. Way back in the day, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Oregon State was really good at it, man. They got the lead at, like, 26-24. You were not getting the ball back. Yeah. It was <laughs> back and forth in the backcourt. Yeah. Well, I mean, my nephews played Saturday. They still play, even though they're older. And, of course, when I mention... Uh, I can't even stand watching it. I mean, it, it, I, I'm at least I'm generous enough, enough up to say that uh, as, ma- as bad as you know, I'm not into the baseball right now. Everybody strikes out. It's like little league, and with no pitch clock. Uh, to me, that's you know, I can understand why they wouldn't want to watch a pitcher's duel if they don't understand it, if they never played it. But I watched the first ten minutes of the. Well, the example was uh, how many bars here in Chicago had their biggest day because it was eight. It was eight in the morning, maybe on a Sunday that Poland was playing. Uh, uh, 
Argent, Mexico, or something like that. And uh, yeah, that's right. And obviously, Chicago has you know huge Mexican and Polish populations, and that thing was a zero-zero tie. It was like watching paint dry. I mean, they didn't. Everybody. I think in the second round, we actually have to win. It's different. But this round, I mean, I mean, the the Brits didn't, didn't need to beat the U.S. Right? They just no, because yeah. they won their. They already won their first game. Yeah. Um, and so a draw for them was fine, whereas the U.S. needed to beat them more than they needed to beat the U.S. But the U.S. was fine with a draw, too, knowing that, that as long as they beat Iran, they'll still advance. But now, because yeah. the U.S. Drew, uh, you know, drew their first two games, they have to win to advance. Otherwise, a draw or a loss, and they're done. Yeah, I just think but it's you're going to see a completely different game probably, right, today. I would think well, so. On our side, but yeah. Iran, Iran is in with a draw, right? Iran needs to win. They, they can advance with a draw, but they would need some help. So what are, they have one yeah, win and one they, loss, they right? Beat, they beat a team last week, right? They beat Wales. Yeah, one win. Yeah, they have a win. So, um, yeah. So they they can advance with a the draw. They're guaranteed to advance with a win. They can advance with a draw, but they would need some help. If they lose, they're they're out. So they they lost to Britain and they beat Wales. Yes. So they don't have a draw. They got a win and a loss. Exactly. And we have two draws. All right. So we have the same amount of points. Well, I think they have three well, points. We have two points. All right. You I think I understand the whole thing about soccer. I always tell my wife when things are scarce, you value them more. Well, goals are very scarce in soccer, so when they score, man, they celebrate. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. so scarce. Man. Well, also we were talking about uh, whether you know how easy it is to fix stuff. Well, I mean, you can fix all sports, but you, if you if you you, know, you give somebody a, a bad inter- interference call in football, but it it has to be in a, in a close game. It has to be. Something where the next play they don't you know don't complete the pass again or something. I mean, there's there's some, but in soccer, boy, when you get to talk about one and two shots on goal, and all of a sudden you you throw a, a, a fake you know yellow card in, in the box and give a guy a penalty kick, that's that's got to be the biggest thing you can do yeah. to somebody. It's almost you know other than like the last second in basketball, whether you call a foul or don't on the, on the driving layup. I mean, it really is game you know it's game deciding in most cases. Yeah, one yellow card is, it, to decide the game. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, because I tell you though, watching that watching that game, I can understand why everybody's so outraged by not having any beer in the, the stands. Because oh if I'm watching the them kick the ball back and forth at midfield, I'm like, dude, I need a beer. <laughs> well, but it also is. I mean, I think you have to have somewhat of a respect when the other team is that fast, just to be yeah. able to kick the ball back and forth and make it look easy. You know, it's like it's like saying just pass the ball around in basketball. If the other guys are all over, it's kind of hard to do, right? I mean, yeah. So, uh, anyways, is there a chance we win today or no? Yeah, I think we're favored. Um, but you know, they could easily lose or draw too. But I think we I think we are favored. Well, we've had two common opponents, and we we, and drew, we, we drew with both of them. And they uh, they beat they beat uh, Wales, and they got smoked by England. I don't. I'm not so sure that our game with. Uh, England was England wasn't trying to win as much. Well, I agree with that, but I also think we should have beat Wales, and we kind of fell apart in the second half um, and, and gave them a penalty kick, uh, which which tied the game. I mean, we 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 could have well, easily won that game. I'm thinking the Wales Iranian Iranian game was probably Wales, you know, thinking uh, we're going to beat these guys, kind of attitude, kind of like uh, Washington losing to who was who did Washington lose to Stanford. Kind of like you can't be in your A game all the time, right? Notre Dame lost the Stanford you, you worst play, around. Yeah, you try to play at your high level, right? Every game, but you're not going to be you're not going to have an A game every time. And then if you're facing a team that is bringing their A game, 
and their A game might be your C game, but if they're bringing your A game and you're bringing your D game, you get knocked off. Hell, have you Maybe that's what happened with Iran and Wales. By the way, looking at Iran's roster, they have one player that's in the English Premier League, and he plays for Brentford, which is a you know much smaller club than than you know say Chelsea yeah. or, or Arsenal or something like that. They have a guy that's in the uh, German, the Bundesliga, uh, that plays for a, a smaller club, Bayer Leverkusen. And then they have uh, a guy that's in the Spanish league. So they have like three guys that are playing in, in relatively big leagues, but not for the big clubs. Other than that, most of their guys are playing in, in Iran or they're playing in Qatar. All right, so... Well, this is kind of funny. I was watching the Home Depot over the weekend, the, the, the ESPN uh, pregame show. And there, you know, he's, he's a really knowledgeable guy. But against the spread, he's basically 50-50. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that, what does that mean? Yeah. What, it mean what, it, what it means is sometimes the the good teams they come in with a C game, a D game, they underperform, and they're playing this team they're supposed to beat. And it happens in the NFL, it happens in college, and it apparently happens in FIFA. Yeah, but he's picking against the spread. That's that's the hard. Yeah, part. but you know, but, well, my point is, Matt, that you know, if I'm going to pick against the spread, I'm going to just flip a coin. Against right. The spread, right? I know, man. He's 50-50. Yeah. Well, I mean, as much as, much as, as you know, some of us know about the market and, and are up on all the, we're trying to be up on the news, that doesn't mean you can say it's going up or down during the day. I mean, right? <laughs> well, the further prediction gets into the future, the harder it is. That's why the hurricane cone is a hurricane cone, right? Even, yeah. even a hurricane is hard to predict four days into the future. All right, I got a couple of... Uh, we have some time left, some a couple of serious questions. I mean, not that this other stuff isn't, because, well, before we get off to soccer, has it been the uh, economic boom, this World Cup in, in, in Qatar, or has it been a, a bust, or can't we tell yet? Well, I think it, I think it's a, a, a boom for, uh, I don't know if it's going to be worth all the money they paid for it, uh, but they got all this tourism in there, people are learning that you can't drink beer there, you got to be really careful. You know, maybe, maybe they want tourism to be higher in the future but you got soccer fans going home saying man you can't have any fun in this country don't go there so I'm not sure in the long run well it seems to me that the uh, <clears throat> the Spanish language network here in Chicago or it's not even just in Chicago those guys are seeming like they're kicking butt aren't they Manny I mean but in regular TV is it is the, is the, the, watch, the listenership or the watchers have been as many as people predicted or not I mean I haven't heard any of that stuff yet have you I haven't. I'm looking it up and seeing if I if I have anything here. I think the uh, yeah, I'll I'll look it up. Well, 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 well soccer uh, fans in America are probably not going to be watching American football or American basketball. So with it going on during the football season, I don't know if there's a lot of crossover from the NFL to soccer or well, it soccer does, to the NFL. The headline that just popped up said the uh, World Cup ratings across Fox and Telemundo in the U.S. Uh, for USA versus England, which was competing directly against college football on uh, on Friday, because there were some college football games the day after Thanksgiving, uh, drew over 20 million viewers, which I assume wow. is a good number. It's nowhere near like a Super Bowl or anything like that, but for a Friday, the day after Thanksgiving uh, afternoon, it, I think it did pretty well. well every, every It'll be interesting to find out is if the, the viewership for those day after Thanksgiving football games, if it was lower than it was previous year. If it was about the same, Fox is getting a lot new, they're getting a lot of new viewers, right? right. They're not, they're not uh, cannibalizing the college football games, right? So it'd right. be really interesting to see what 
the college football viewership look like on Friday versus last Black Friday? Um, well, while we're digesting that one, Mandy's looking. I ask you a question about two things. One is um, this FTX thing, now this BlackFi has gone under, and they claim that the uh, reason why they went under is because of FTX, that they owed uh, that they had, they had a, a $680 million margin call with the the other firm Ooh. over there. Uh, who the hell are these guys? Um, they had a, um, let me find it in this article, I just read it last night. Uh, because FTX gave them a loan of $400 million to essentially keep them going. But uh, I don't think that helped all that much because they, uh, <clears throat> they had a massive, uh, the, uh, El- the Alameda Research had a huge margin loan with them they didn't pay that they're never going to get. So that's one of the reasons why that they're, they're in trouble because the Alameda, the trading arm of the FTX, um, like, essentially owed them more money than, than FTX gave them. When these, are these guys? Yeah, I, I, go ahead. I, I think the, any money, any money that was deposited into FTX accounts or its subsidiaries probably ended up in, I would think, Bitcoin, and that Bitcoin is in USB drives, cold storage. That's that's not what I would suspect, right? Well, and stuff- so this guy running FTX, this guy that hoodwinked all these regulators, all these AGs, SEC commissioner. This guy's probably sitting on Bitcoin in cold storage, and but, he's the only that got the keys. But he, right? but he doesn't. He so, didn't, he'd have to hoodwink him. They didn't, they weren't in charge. There's no regulation on this, and people loved it because there well, was none. But what, what I'm saying about hoodwinking is he was invited to the White House. Oh yeah, these governments were letting him do it. He was going to write the legislation to regulate this crypto space to create a monopoly for himself in this space and outlaw and ban his competitors, he was given the keys to this industry. And people were just going along with it. And the one guy that we talked about last week, Duffy, yeah. he can spot it from a mile away. Well, I mean, interact with this guy. You're an altruist? You're not an altruist. If you're an altruist and you had $29 billion, you would give it all away. If you're not an altruist, you don't have it. right? He can spot it from a mile away. right? This one guy. And so everybody else just let this this character go and I, th- I guarantee you, the, the, any any cash deposit to the system, I think he was taking it out. And I'm just guessing. I bet he was taking it out and actually buying Bitcoin and putting it in cold storage. Well, he could have been, but... That's why... This is a... Uh, I'm probably jumping on you with this one, but... These guys, this... Uh, um, this Is it BitFi? What the hell is the name of this place? Oh, BlackFi. Um, they filed this bankruptcy thing yesterday. And it was, you know, big news yesterday morning, but... The bankruptcy is interesting because all it does they don't they don't want to go out of business they want to stay in business um, they want to you know relief from the creditors for a while but they essentially blame it on everybody else saying that because everybody else went under and they trace it all the way back to this uh, this three arrows which is the, the place that went out earlier um, they claim uh, that the three arrows caused the the, uh, the the Voyager and Celsius to go on to go under. And everybody's everybody's in the same boat. That once once somebody didn't, it was all tied together. Once it was like the mortgage loans. Once somebody didn't pay, then all of a sudden the next person was was half holding the bag, and then they didn't pay. That they, they were all. I guess the question is, how how rampant is this going to be? I mean, if you if you had, I don't, I mean, I don't, we don't do cryptos for people, but once in a while somebody will ask me, boy, you know, I got some of this Bitcoin left. What do you think? And I, 
from day one, I thought it was a, a you know, I, didn't, I couldn't explain it. I didn't think it was going to be a currency. I didn't think it should be a, a, a an artificial stock, but somehow or another, the thing gets everybody involved in it. And now, is anybody going to be left standing, I guess? Is there, is there anybody who's going to say, I'm not connected with these other places? It seems like they're all connected just like the firms here are, and then the exchanges and stuff are. Well, I, I think what kind of happened is with this guy, um, SBF, uh, Bankman Freed, whatever, he's probably the banking system, right? This Bankman Freed character, what he did is he, he got pictures with Gary Gensler, the administration, former president, former uh, PK prime minister. Um, he had the AG, at, you know, the, the current AG, as an employee, one of his uh, his, his bank, right? His S- SPF or his yeah. FTX bank. All that gives him legitimacy. So companies like you're talking about, they see, oh, well, uh, all these people, all these high-ranking government officials, these regulators, these former presidents, former prime ministers, think this company is good. So they don't do their due diligence like Duffy did, right? They just kind of like buy into that legitimacy that Bankman-Fried was buying, purchasing, right, with this quote-unquote altruism, right, with his donations. So they buy into it, and they don't do their due diligence. And for that reason, because they didn't do their due diligence, I don't really feel bad for them. Well, I, I, mean, I know that sounds bad, but they need to be disciplined. But they were everything so that in the future that this doesn't have this doesn't repeat itself in the future. Well, if they're not disciplined, then this is going to repeat itself in the future. But how does how does this uh, differ really in substance? I guess my question, if I was going to ask you, if I was in the, in the back row and raise my hand to piss you off. Um, how does this? How is this different than 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 tulips? Everything was fine until the price went down, right? I mean, everything everything. If Bitcoin was still fifty thousand bucks, none of this would have happened. Everything yeah, still, well, still be fat happen. But all of this, all of this is a result of the Fed being ultra easy, the, the Congress stimulating the economy, running up. I think the debt now is over thirty trillion, right? Well, I'm, I'm with so you. They run up these deficits, these fiscal deficits. The Fed. Uh, uh, encourages it, enables it by printing all kinds of money, right? These cryptocurrencies, which aren't Bitcoin, these cryptocurrencies pop up. To me, they're just schemes. They're tokens. Or they're they just pop up yeah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. The more the more of these cryptocurrencies that popped up indicates just how big this bubble the Fed created was, right? And so the, I think the only cryptocurrency that survives this is going to be Bitcoin. Bitcoin is unique, right? It is decentralized. You own it, you have your keys, you have your coin, and it's really difficult to figure out who's got what. But, but I think I think Bitcoin survives. So if you're holding Bitcoin, I think it survives. And, and Bitcoin's rise in price was a result of people buying Bitcoin on margin with their credit card. You can buy it with your credit card. Well, you, you got yeah. Bitcoin being bid up because of this credit expansion, but now it's settled out at, I think, the price it would have been without all that... Fiscal and monetary stimulus that the Fed injected and the Congress injected into the system. Well, I guess my, my question is, and I'm not not so good with it here because you're not hearing the question, is oh. wh- what's what's the difference between this thing being propped up by money and, and everybody's fat and happy at fifty thousand bucks and the tulips and the the, the dot bomb thing in the two thousand where Fed threw so much money in uh, for Y two K and all of a sudden those companies were. Hundred and fifty bucks, and then they were five bucks. I mean, Cisco was sixty-five, and then it was six and a half. 
But now this time, look at the companies we have now that are one of the ones yesterday that the uh, the guys that do the, one of the firms that does the uh, uh, you know buy now pay later used to be 130 bucks now they're what 13. I mean it it really it almost doesn't matter whether it's a made up thing whether it's a tulip or whether it's a stock that gets 100 times overpriced it seems like it's all the same story Hal isn't it? It, it is the same story. The Fed created that bubble in 2006, yeah. seven, and eight. It popped that bubble in 2000 in 2009. Right now, it's it's more restrictive. I wouldn't say it's being restricted, but it's more restrictive than other central banks, which is causing housing to pop. The housing bubble is going to be a dramatic pop because it's going up really steep and it's going to come straight down. It's going to be more pronounced than it was in 2008. I would agree but with it's that. It's the same story. History tends to repeat, and repeated history repeats repeatedly. This is just the Mississippi bubble over again, just different names. That's all it is. Just the same. It's the same bubble. That well, the central banks create well, over true. and over again. So uh, we had the Mississippi you, bubble in the 1700s. We had the, the dot com bubble in the 2000, the 1990s. We had the housing bubble, and now we have the the, the fake cryptocurrency bubble. And maybe the stock bubble. Ugh. Hey, uh, yeah, and the stock bubble is going to bring down the stock. So are you still yeah. you still teaching? You on break everywhere? Uh, I I came back this week and I taught. I have two classes this week, and then I'm basically done. For the until January. All right, good for you. Get in the classroom, yeah. All right, but take care of yourself. Talk at you next week. SP Futures only have a buck seventy-five now. SP Futures up nineteen. We're down for a second, but now we pop back up. Uh, back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.